0: My next guest is Rachel Carrillo Fairchild. Rachel is a partner consultant with the Core Collaborative. She brings her 30 years of education experience as a classroom teacher, mathematics coach, and resource teacher, as well as a school leader. Rachel has designed and implemented district staff wide um, learning in the areas of English language development, working with struggling learners, standards based education, and assessment is learning. She has presented at national conferences such as ASCD and is the author of How to Reach and Teach English Language Learners and a contributing author to amplify learner voice through cultural responsive assessment. Rachel's 30 years of education and ability to engage and lead education professionals make her a perfect fit as a partner consultant with the core collaborative. Rachel earned her bachelor's from Occidental College in Los Angeles and her master's in education, administration, and administrative services from Point Loma University in San Diego. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you, Dana. It's so great to be here with you. Well, uh, let's dive right in. Uh, Before we talk about your work, I know we have a lot of interesting uh, things to discuss. And um, as we are recording this, as we start the school year, a lot of teachers just diving into learning and how they can support um, our multilingual learners. But we'll start off with the question I ask everybody. Tell me about a trench story, a time you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, there have been so many, so many of those moments in my career, but it, but that question really takes me back to um, my childhood. And especially as we get started with a new school year, um, thinking about kids who have a similar story to me and, and my story was, Um, or is that, you know, I grew up in a home where Spanish was the primary language. And so going to school, um, I always kind of felt that that difficulty and that challenge in being in these uh, a member of these two worlds um, and and having to, you know, we call it Code switching, you know, back and forth between being Rachel um, and being walking in the door in the afternoon and and being Raquel. And expectations were different. um, Communication models were different. um, But but one of the things that I think um, really helped me through those times really was were my teachers, um, and 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 along those lines, I also went through um, just a personal uh, tragedy with as, at a very young age. I was fourteen. My older brother Martin uh, uh, died of leukemia, um, and and you know the going through that experience and and being in such a dark place at that time, such being challenged, just, you know, trying to stay up with school and trying to, you know, navigate what was happening uh, to our family. Um, Again, it was teachers. It was those teachers who would, you know, lend a hand who would call my family call my parents check in on me is she doing okay um, what can we do to help um and so I just want to remind teachers as we get started in a in into a new school year that I don't think we fully appreciate how much of an impact um, we have on our students and just a reminder that, you know, you might be that lifeline for, for a kid. And that was certainly the case for me more than once in my uh, school career. So um, just kind of wanted to start with that and hopefully it'll, uh, someone will connect
0: to that. So um, after um, you finished high school, uh, you were looking at uh, post-secondary educational opportunities. Um, how was it you decided to pursue um, just, you um, Going out of having that dark space from your teenage years and really hitting into those post-secondary choices.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that was again a really challenging uh, time because I had really struggled um between, you know, right after 14, 15, right around the time that my brother passed away. So my grades weren't the best. Um, my parents Um, You know, they are both, uh, you know, my mother has a second grade education um, in Mexico. Um, So she's always, um, you know, she's amazing. She's my hero. She's learned English and has learned to, um, you know, she's right now, my father passed away. So she lives independently. I'm so proud of how far uh, she's come and the things that she's over challenges she's overcome in her own life. But my father also only had a sixth grade education. And so it was very hard for them to support me or to know how to support me with wanting to go to college and wanting, um, you know, to Explore the idea of going to college. And I knew I wouldn't be able to go to a university because of my grades. So um, I had, again, teachers who helped guide me. Um, my PE teacher never gave up on me. Um, and, you know, they helped guide me towards community college. And so I ended up um, going to a community college for a couple of years and then transferring uh, to Occidental College. And um, ended up being able to graduate in four years, just like everybody else, with a lot of hard work and, you know, summer school and all of that. But I was really determined. Uh, my my father always and my mother they always would encourage myself and the three of the th- my other two siblings, my two brothers. Um, that education was was the the way out. Education was the way for us to have. A better life than what they had had and and that was a constant theme that we heard always growing up and so even though they didn't know how to get us there um i'm so glad that i had teachers um and you know other people that were able to um, help guide me in that direction um, because i don't think i i don't think i would have um i don't think i'd be where i where I am today, were it not for those, for those individuals.
0: And let's kind of talk a little bit about the work that you're doing. Uh, first of all, um, the design and implementation um, that you do with district wide staff um, through the Core Collaborative. Um, you say you do work in every state, and just recently at the beginning of the school year, you've done some work. So tell me about that.
1: Yes. Yes. So I work with uh, schools and districts all across the country. Um, the main focus of my work is um, multilingual learners, and um, and you know I, I also work with um, you know uh, special ed departments. Um, most recently, I was working with a world languages department um, at the high school level, and 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 really the focus of that work. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this and preparing for uh, for my discussion and our talk today is this idea of clarity and that's that's where the book really goes with um, the amplifying learner voice through culturally sustaining and responsive formative assessment. Um, it's the idea of, you know, do our students have clarity about what they're learning? Um, do they have clarity about how to demonstrate, proficiency with what they're learning. Um, And then that all starts with, do we have clarity with what we expect we're expecting them to do? And, and that, that idea of clarity around language acquisition, I think is a big challenge for us, um, for our multilingual learners. By the time they get to middle school or high school, many of them don't even realize that they are multilingual learners. They don't know Mm -hmm. what that label. They don't know. All they know is they lose, um, you know, an opportunity for an elective and um, they have to take ELD. And so um, so bringing English learners in to the equation and letting them see this is where you are and giving them Mm -hmm. that clarity. Here's where you are in listening. Here's where you are in speaking, reading, and writing. And here's what you need to do to get to the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, That idea of clarity, I think, around language acquisition is so important, so hugely important. I just don't, um, you know, I don't see a lot of um, of that happening, and and I'm hoping that through the work that we do, that more teachers and more school systems will start to bring their multilingual learners into that process, and so that they partner with us, so that they're engaged, right? That's the big, the big thing I hear everywhere I go uh, post COVID um, is engagement, engagement, engage. They're not engaged. They're tuned out. They're, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a challenge to get them to do anything. So. You know, how, how what better way to, to, to get students engaged and to partner with them and actually have them um, know where they are and what their next steps mm-hmm. need to be?
0: Yeah. And I think it's that effort at the school level, having uh, also the personnel in place to be able to go through like a homeroom teacher or um, the ELD teachers, or uh, some districts have teacher leaders um, or coaches who can actually go through um, students' um, access scores with them, talk to them yes. about where they are right after, um, you know, the scores come out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and have them like really understand kind of, um, what the celebrations are and, what they need to do to move forward and yes. exit the program because that's <laughs> what we want exactly. kids to not have to be um kind of with that label forever right? <laughs> right 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 right
1: and so many of them it's like you know they they get to that one level level three or whatever that yeah. level is and then they just stay right and then they're, yeah. they go through sixth seventh eighth ninth tenth yeah.
0: and they just kind of
1: languish <laughs> right in the in the program and so how do do we, how do we get them past that? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So I mentioned in your bio that you have written a contributing chapter in Amplify Learning Voice, Learner Voice Through Culturally Responsive Assessment. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about um, some of the um, tools, assessment tools that you talk about in this chapter. So, so,
1: One of the things that um, is really nice about the way that we set up the book is I I was able to kind of go through, um, you know, and and think about all of the chapters collectively and then think about them through the perspective of the multilingual learner. And so, um, you know, giving teachers tools like how do we take those. Um, for example, if you're a WIDA state and you, um, you know, you're, uh, ELD standards are the WIDA standards for your multilingual learners, and how do we take those can-do descriptors, how do we take um, the standards, whatever state you're in, and turn them into uh, success criteria that's understandable and that's um, clear to students, so that they can use that success criteria to do some self and peer assessment. And so that's a lot of the focus of of the tools that I've um, added into the book um, and contributed to the book have been tools for teachers to, you know, look at, see models, um, read about um, different scenarios and um, actual, you know, students um, that I've worked with or teachers that I've worked with um, and and how to guide them through that process of how do we take this content, um, this unit, you know, unit one, here's my um, learning intention for unit one. How do I take that learning intention and break it down into, you know, understandable and clear success criteria for my multilingual learners so that they can measure their own success so that they can track their own growth and their own success. Um, and, and you know, the the positives that we see from that are just, you know, amazing. We see kids who were previously disengaged engage. Um, and, and that's because all of a sudden it's not school isn't something that's being done to me. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I'm doing with my teacher and with my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm part of that process. Um, so that ownership piece um, is, is probably for me um, the most important contribution um, that I uh, make to the book in terms of multilingual learners.
0: Um, also, I wondered about some of the um, types of assessment like project based learning. Um, and kind of giving kids a choice on how they're going to demonstrate their learning.
1: Yes. Yes. So, so a lot of, um, you know, what we explore in the book are different opportunities and different ways Mm -hmm. for students to, um, you know, we, we sometimes get so fixated on, you know, here's my unit and here's the assessment and this is how they're going to show that they've demonstrated uh, mastery, but what about the idea of giving students options? What about the idea of saying, here's three different ways you can show whether you've mastered this content or not, and and go with more of that uh, project-based learning uh, model where, where kids can kind of be the authors of, you know, I want to show my learning this way, and then here's the criteria and um, really getting them deeply engaged in that process and then along the way making sure that there's points along the way so that they're meeting with a peer and they're meeting with their teacher um, to get feedback so that they can make, um, you know any kinds of edits or revisions along the way so that by the time they get to um, you know the the point where they're ready to submit something, it's you know they're they they feel, they feel proud of it. They feel a sense of, you know, I've, I'm where I need to be. And then again, there's that, you know, this always takes me to down that grading um, you know, path. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if they happen to, you know, submit something and they realize there's something that need that can be fixed, why not give students the opportunity to make revisions and to resubmit work until they feel like this is where. This is exactly where, you know, what I was aiming for and, and where I want it to be. And this is my, this is where I'm proud of submitting this work. Um, you know, always gets me thinking about, about grading, especially when it comes to multilingual learners.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely want to give them a sense of confidence, right. Um, and honor what they, their background knowledge. I think that's a big piece, like. Um, you know, they have varying levels of um, education coming in or, you know, their country could have had different uh, modalities modalities of teaching and focus on different things, but I think, like really celebrate what they know and the things that they solidly have in place, right? They could yes. be very much more advanced in math or science, for example mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely.
1: and and I think that, you know, that's one of the things with multilingual learners um that, you know, sometimes, and and this, you know, this is something that I was guilty of mm-hmm. as, as a new teacher working with um, multilingual learners is, you know, kind of that assumption that, you know, they're a level one um, in writing or in reading. So that, and that means they're low, but that doesn't mean they're low. It just means their their ability um, to write and read in English mm-hmm is low um, or is at the beginning level. And so I think sometimes, you know, understanding and recognizing the fact that that this student brings so much with them they're not an, mm-hmm. a blank slate they have um skills and it you know I I often say to teachers you know it's as if someone picked you up and dropped you in Russia tomorrow and if you're not fluent at Ru- in Russian that doesn't mean that you know nothing it doesn't mean that you know all of your knowledge just leaves your your head you still know everything that you you know you're still the knowledgeable person that you are you just can't communicate that in russian <laughs> so that's where our students are right they have all of this knowledge and all of this brilliance um but they can't they may not be able to communicate it to us in english in the way that we want them to so how can i find a way to allow them to show me what they know in a different way, right? If you can't do it in, in the, in the second language, can you do it in your primary language? Can you, you know, build a model for me? Can you, Mm -hmm. you what can you do to show me with the limited language that you have um, all everything that's in your head or, or as much Mm -hmm. of what's in your head as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think they, they sometimes do come from that um, space of um, you know, really being shy uh, because they don't know English very well, yeah. but like, if we can really say, Hey, you know, if you want to try to use a translation device or something and, you know, focus on what you do know, like you said, um, you know, you can show us like um, your expertise. So yeah, I think that's right. something teachers really need to focus on as well. Um, I did want to talk to you about um, the book, uh, Reach and Teach ELLs and Common Informative Assessments for ELLs. Yes. Um you told me in the pre-chat you were approached at ASCD uh, yes. about writing that. So tell me yes. a little bit.
1: Yes. Yeah, so so that was, um, you know, so exciting for me as a teacher. I had started doing professional development in my own district and um, and then started, you know, kind of applying uh, to present at national conferences. And and it, it was it was pretty a pretty awesome experience. I was doing a, a session um, on strategies for uh, English learners um, and and specifically in math. Mm -hmm. Um, and how to engage English learners. um, Because we always talk about, you know, math is a universal language. And yes, to some extent it is. But there's also a lot of language involved in math. And so how do we make that language accessible to our students? So I'm doing this session and um, I was approached by uh, someone from ASED who was, you know, in the audience and was and you know asked me you know would you be interested in in writing a book about this uh topic and um and then it, it kind of snowballed from there it kind of got me thinking like oh wow like you know maybe i could do this maybe i could write a book and um i then i was approached by someone from Josie Bass um same thing you know would you be willing to write a book on this topic um and so that was kind of my first writing experience and it, you know, resulted in the how to reach and teach English language learners, which is really a collection of, um, you know, just at that, you know, just knowledge about the population and um, the changing population, the changing demographic and how, you know, it's, it's not a monolith right? How we all, we always talk about that. It's a very diverse population. And then what do we do if we have them in our classrooms? Um, What are some strategies we can use in listening, speaking, reading, and writing? So I I approached it from the domains of language um, and activating those domains of language and really encouraging teachers to where whatever your core content is, make sure that in, in every day, every content area, I'm asking my multilingual learners to listen, speak, read, and write every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so, and so that was really the, the, the foundation of the book. Um, When I finished that book, I started, got me thinking about, well, you don't really know what strategy to go with until you know where your multilingual learners are. So the first step has to be assessment, and so then that got me work thinking about the the common formative assessments and also um, you know common formative assessments in the content areas and how to differentiate those so that if I have a multilingual learner in my class who is you know reading and writing at a level one or two Mm -hmm. how do i get them to be able to demonstrate their learning um to me um in math um Mm -hmm. and and then and then it got me also then so then i approached that book from two perspectives assessing the the content itself and how to differentiate our assessments and also the perspective of um assessing the language acquisition process itself and where um, am I formatively in um, my language like position? because teachers only get that once a year um, you know access or um, you know whatever your state uh, English learner assessment happens to be but you get that score once a year yeah. and so many decisions students are grouped for ELD all of these really um you know uh, important decisions are based off of that one score and so how do we formatively assess language acquisition so that we can make adjustments along the way and say okay well you're not a level 3 in writing anymore you're a level 4 now so we're going to boost you up to the next level in writing so that your language acquisition doesn't doesn't stall
0: yeah yeah i think that's a good point how um we can um you know, talk with the staff, um, in terms of like students, um, you know, and use, use also a body of evidence. Um, yes. um like in my state, we use, iReady for an example, like yes. you do the access in January, but is that really where they are in May or in August of the next school year? Um, mm-hmm. use, iReady. use their reading and writing, um, that they're doing in some of their core content areas. Um, so don't base everything on that one time a year snapshot, yes. like you said, yes. right. So, Very important. Um, So important. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of your uh, speaking engagements, if you have any upcoming engagements or any conferences that you tend to speak at yearly, and some of the sessions that you now um, really um, focus on um, during those conferences
1: yeah so so I have um actually been doing um you know working with um county offices of education. um mm-hmm. I've done that um in Colorado actually um I've done um at in Bosey's the BOCES, um area. I've done um you know, annual uh, a conference uh, type sessions with them around English learners um and and a lot of the A lot of the topics um, that I cover and a lot of the topics that um, that school systems or county offices of education or state departments of education have asked me to focus on have been this idea of either engagement um, or, um, you know, the That whole idea of student efficacy, um, and and efficacy around you know language learners, and and how you know how do we make sure that we are providing opportunities for students to um, experience success so that they keep coming back, right? So every day in my class, are they getting a little mastery moment? Are they getting a little taste of what it feels like to be successful? So no, I may not be proficient in the language yet, but did I, did I jump over a hurdle today? And did I do it successfully so that that feeds my learning forward? Um, And what, what I think, um, you know, in my discussions with teachers and talking to, Administrators is a lot of times our English learners. Um, we feel like maybe they become long-term um, English learners because maybe they they don't have that sense of efficacy. And so, how are we making sure that our language learners, um, our multilingual learners, are getting an opportunity to build their efficacy and to have that that little ignition, that little you know light, that fire underneath them that keeps them moving forward and keeps them from giving up Um, because it's, it's hard, right? Being an English learner and, you know, especially some of these long-term ELs I think of who go through years and years of hearing, you're not proficient yet. You're not proficient yet, right? It's just like, nope, you haven't reclassified. Nope, you haven't reclassified. Um, And so after, you know, after a a certain point in time, I, I, it, it seems natural for them to just be like, you know, I give up. Right. Mm and So how do we keep them from throwing in the towel? How do we keep them, um, seeing their growth, watching themselves get better, um, every single day so that they get that little sense of, um, efficacy that keeps them coming back.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network, better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts, at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. I think that's just a uh, you know a lot of effort on the um, educators that work with the students and uh, celebrating the growth, uh, celebrating uh, like you said um, what students can uh, move forward with and any of the scores um, that are that are improvements, right? On right. any of these benchmark assessments or uh, writing samples. Um, like you said, student efficacy, I think across um, across subject areas, is really important. It is, um, it really is. Um, I wanted to discuss the bulk of the work that the CORE Collaborative does and kind of how um, uh, the CORE Collaborative works uh, in general with uh, teachers and districts.
1: Yeah, yeah, so the core collaborative um just an amazing organization. Um it's uh led um you know, it's it's a group of teachers actually. We're all, you know, educators. Um some administ- some with administrative background, some with you know, years of classroom background uh you know, in the classroom and and we basically you know, our our you know, kind of north star is is self empowerment student student empowerment right? Students being um, assessment capable learners and being um, real owners of their learning, and so um, it it really is a um, a collaborative effort. And we all like you know the 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 amplify learner voice was a collaborative effort. Um, so many amazing co authors. I mean you know Connie Hamilton, Kara Vandas, Um, Isaac, uh, Wells, Paul Bloomberg, our fearless leader at the core collaborative, um, Ingrid Twyman, uh, the vet Dukes. So just a, a, just an amazing panel of, uh, uh, thought leaders and peer power, which was the first book uh, was the same thing. It was a collection of authors, you know, collaboratively working together, um, focused on this idea of assessment-capable learners, of self-empowered learners, and how do we get our students, um, you know, how do we hook them into the learning, and how do we keep them hooked into the learning? And, And really, that really boils down to where we started which is clarity right yep. students have absolute clarity about what they're learning and what the expectation is um and how they're supposed to demonstrate proficiency on expectation so um you know so we are we're, we're about we're all about um i'm really you know student efficacy and 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 you know self empowerment and having students have that sense of you know when it comes to culturally responsive assessment that sense of criticality and knowing be, being able to identify in their lives um you know hinge points and places where, you know, this is something that maybe has happened to me, but how does that experience help me grow um, mm-hmm. and help me become a better learner, a better person? So self-reflection, right? All of those pieces that 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 come together to make students um, feel empowered and feel like they're truly in control of their own learning and of their own lives. Right. They are the authors of their lives. And, and I and I think, you know, it sounds it sounds big. One of the things I was mentioning that I was working with the world languages and uh, special ed teachers last week. And, you know, I automatically when we start talking about success criteria and clarity and making sure that, you know, we start from a point of clarity as a team of teachers, what do we mm. expect our, you know, Spanish 1 students to leave here with this year? What do we expect our Algebra 1 students, our kindergarten, you know, readers, our, you know, second grade writers? If we can have absolute clarity about what our expectations are and we can come up with models of success, um, then we can share that with our students so that they have clarity about what the expectations are. Right. So then it's um, it just becomes a matter of, you know, how can we start with us being clear first? What do we want students to learn? What do we want them to know and be able to do? And then. What are we going to, um how do we break that down into very clear success criteria for them so that they can reach those uh, those goals? And, um and so, you know the 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 work with the core collaborative is about partnering with teachers, partnering with teams on how to do that and and not overwhelming ourselves. because I think if there's one thing that we tend to do um in education is, you know, we hear a great idea and then we overwhelm ourselves. We're like, you know, I could see the wheels turning in the, in the minds of, of my world languages, teachers, and my SPED Mm -hmm. teachers. Whoa, that means I've got to write success criteria for everything. And where do I start? And it just, it starts to, to you know just get out of control and then before you know it it's like oh i can't do that like this is not you know this is not something i can do um and so it it almost we almost give up on it before we even get started and and so my message is small steps right yeah. what like just just start with one thing so i had them think about their first unit of study think about unit 1 that you're going to launch into you know in a few weeks What is your big learning intention? And then what is your success criteria? Just break one down and then use that and see how your students respond. And if you get that positive response, then just like we're asking of the kids, we want those mastery moments to feed their learning forward. That's what I'm hoping for my teachers, right? Is that their experience and their success will feed our learning as teachers forward um, so that if we try a strategy and we see it, we see a positive result from it, then it's like, okay, well, let, let's look at unit two now. And how can we use this in unit two and build those those little small um, changes, I think, can result in, in big wins. But but we have to be willing to make those little small changes and not just talk about it. Um, Because a lot of that happens in our field too. We talk a lot about all the things that we need to do, Mm -hmm. but then it's that action, the action part that gets us every time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear it. And I like the part where you said, like, you don't have to like do everything at once, take a small chunk, right? Take one unit at a time. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of the school year, a lot of teachers are overwhelmed and they have a lot of buckets and things to do, but I think as you meet, um, with your department or, you know, teams and PLCs throughout the year, um, you know, take, take those things and, and, and make a plan for how you're going to implement it, um, step-by-step, but also empower your students through in the process. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Well, we had a great conversation today about um, things that you've written about um, self-efficacy in our students and how to assess them, um, you know, besides just the yearly uh, test for um, Mm -hmm. multilingual learners. Out of everything we talked about, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember
1: you know, I think I think this is a good time uh, to remember a couple of things. You know, the your the title of your podcast Out of the Trenches is really um and I've heard other uh guests refer make this reference but gets me thinking about, you know, James Nottingham's learning pit, learning pit and and you know the 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 way that we respond when we're in that pit, I think is 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 really important and and we have to have certain dispositions. Um, you know, like perseverance and and to to get ourselves out of that pit. um and I and I and I know how you know we look at that in terms of student learning, but I think we have to also look at ourselves as learners and view ourselves as teachers. We're also learners, right? And so being in that pit, and that's why I love the title of your podcast because I think it gives us permission to admit. You know, there are puzzles of practice that really just, you know, have us sometimes at a loss for, I don't know what to do. We're grappling with this and this is tough and, and that's okay. It's okay to be in the pit. It's okay to be in the trench. Um, We're all going to find ourselves there, but, but Find or or let's come up with a plan and let's think of one small thing or one small way, one small change I can make to start handling or dealing with this puzzle of practice and working my way out of it. I don't have to solve it all in one day. I don't we don't have to figure it out all at once. Um, it might take us all year. It might take us three to five years. Right. This is a journey and this is a process. And so don't. Don't give up on yourself too quickly Um, and, and don't expect things to change overnight. It's sometimes it's going to take time to see that growth and to see that progress. Um, But again, you know, pick something that you are really passionate about and, 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 and just, you know, try it, give it a try and, and don't overwhelm yourself. You know, we tend to overwhelm ourselves. Don't overwhelm yourself. Just, start small and, and those, again, those little small wins will lead to big gains. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that would be, uh, if everyone could kind of start the year with that perspective, I think that would make for a really great year.
0: Yeah. I really think that's a, um, great note to end on. Um, like you said, um, (laughs) those small wins, right. Um, that, that set goals, And don't feel like you have to do it all once. Well, where can people um, connect with you and and, um, find you online?
1: Oh yeah. So, um, I'm on the core collaboratives website. So if you, um, go to the core um, you can find more information about me and about the core collaborative. Um, our book amplify learner voices on Amazon, also available on our webpage. Um, I am on Twitter, uh, Rachel EL author. Um, also that's also my handle for Instagram. Um, so yeah, I'm out there. Facebook, um, just, uh, hit me up and um, I'd be happy to um, help in any way that I can. Anyone who has questions or, you know, wants to learn more. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm here. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the (laughs) Out of the Trenches podcast today. Have a great rest of your day. Yes, you too. My book Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.